I mean, I, I think the thing that stands out the most to me is that people here in general, their feet are much, much healthier than in the Western world. Uh, and that's from what I can see a direct correlation to that they have much less time in, in modern shoes. The foot is really the foundation of your whole uh, posture and your biomechanics. If your foot isn't working as, as it should, then your rest of the body won't work as it should either. If you do put the big toe out of angle, what will happen is that your arch will have a much greater possibility of collapsing. I think like 95% of people don't even think about their feet, right? It's a very forgotten body part. Making a shoe is complicated. You know, it's, it's much more complicated than, for example, making a tank top like you and me are wearing. This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. Alrighty, we are live here with Melkor Smart from Sri Lanka. So this is something, this is a conversation we've been trying to get together for a few weeks now. Since I'm in Australia, Melker is in Sri Lanka. And yeah, I'm glad we could make this work right before both of us leave. So how's it going, man? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good. It's good. And I also just noticed that we have very aligned dress codes today, but that's uh, yeah, that's unintentional. Right. The, white, yeah. <laughs> the white tank. We got the, the tropical yeah. background. You can't really see mine as much. But yeah, how is uh, how has Sri Lanka been treating you? Yeah, Sri Lanka has been... Um, over my expectations, I would say, and just in terms of like the country in itself, extremely kind people uh, feel very safe, very nice weather. Uh, yeah, it's funny because like a lot of people will tell you not to go here because there was like a terror attack, I don't know, 10 years or mm-hmm. something like that, 10 years ago. Or, and it's been, you know, the, the tsunami was here also and back in 2004, I think. So, Four, you know, yeah. I, I think a lot of countries are still saying, yeah, don't go here. It's unsafe. But I, I've I mean, I've traveled quite a lot and I've almost never felt safer in a country, uh, actually. Everyone is so kind, so helpful. So it's been quite, quite amazing. That's good. Yeah, I had a friend from high school who was from Sri Lanka and always talked great things about it. And yeah, typically whenever there's like a don't go to this place or what have you, it's usually not very great advice. I mean, uh, yeah, I've traveled a decent amount as well. And if you just use common sense and are friendly, yeah, people are going to definitely treat you with respect so so that's good to hear but more importantly is why why are you in sri lanka um specifically because uh, i know you're yeah. doing the wide the wide footwear research but why are you specifically in in sri lanka yeah so we teamed up together with uh, an organization called my foot function which are i would say the leading uh, foot exercise foot health um, organization in the world have a big uh, Instagram page as well. So we're all actually based in the same city of Gothenburg, Sweden. We got together and we just said, "Hey, um, let's do this study together." Because there, in in our industry of you know making better footwear, we often refer to very very old studies, one from like 1905, and other ones that are wow. kind of criticized and you know debunked a little bit. Um, so we we just said, okay. Let's do a new study with our modern technology. You know, we have a 3D scanner. We have much better photography. We have like a planter pressure plate where we can see the weight distribution of of feet. Um, And let's just take it to the next level and 
really try to make an impact on the industry, uh, something that hasn't been done before. So we wanted to, you know, go from like 250 people to do the four digits. So we've done over a thousand people now. And why we chose Sri Lanka is basically because there's there's a large population here that wear very little shoes or no shoes at all. And it's very interesting to compare that to, you know, the city population, for example, um, that wear uh, that wear shoes or have this certain dress codes at work and just see how how that compares in how their foot health is and how, like, you know, if they have any deformities or if, if um, yeah, just like overall well-being, right? Mobility and, and everything. So we, so yeah, we've been traveling around for the past month. It's been really intense, um, you know, visiting so many, so many, groups of people so many different towns so many different professions just whipping out our equipment every time we had the opportunity um and uh it's been yeah it's been super super interesting that makes a lot of sense i was kind of theorizing i was like so he's either in sri lanka because they have just less of a history of you know wearing terrible footwear like you know over generations obviously our feet have changed quite a bit generationally but then also like you're saying, um, kind of just even today, they wear less footwear, which that makes a lot of sense. So are you then comparing that to a control in Sweden or how are you kind of framing this this research? Yeah, so a lot of the criticism towards other studies that have been done have been that they have compared two different genetic groups. So you have taken like mm. compare, you go to visit some like African uh, tribe or something and then you compare yeah. that to people from Switzerland. Modern. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, it, it doesn't really, and then people are like, okay, but sure, they had great, be, better feet, but it's two different genetic groups, so we're going to debunk that. You know? So what we wanted to do was to say, okay, let's visit the same genetic group that have populations that act very differently so that you cannot blame the genetic factor. And just, just so it's all about how they've been living their life, what kind of shoes have they been wearing or not been wearing. So to just remove that thing and do it at a much larger sample size uh, than than anybody else has, has done so far. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's you get into these, I guess, more esoteric topics that nobody really wants to fund in the centralized world, and like grounding is is one of them as well. And I, and I read the research, and I'm not gonna lie, the the research is really not that good. Um, you know, it's it's you want it to be better, but it's yeah, these challenges to perform good research and measure the right things. But yeah, there's always going to be the debunkers and non-believers out there. So that that's cool that you kind of took that initiative yourself and then just went and did it. So I guess I don't know how much you can share, but has it turned out as expected, better than expected? Or you know, how's it been going? Yeah. So I mean, I would just want to say that everything that I say here is, of course, like my observations from conducting the study. The study, the data is not compiled yet. So you know, some some things might be different when the data is compiled and, and all the all the metrics are in but there's some very very clear observations um i mean i've been scanning myself like over a thousand people in the 3d scanner so I've, you know you start to see patterns uh, and um i mean i i think the thing that stands out the most to me is that people here in general their feet are much much healthier than in the western world uh, and that's from what i can see a direct correlation too that they wear much much have much less time in in modern shoes they wear they still wear like slippers and flip-flops and stuff like that but in general their their foot shape is much much healthier than 
than comparing to like the pilot studies we did did back in Sweden. And because when we did those, it was like, okay, almost everybody has some degree of hallux valgus. Someone who's listening doesn't know what that is. It's when the big toe is like going uh, in the opposite direction where it should do. So like towards the mm. other toes. And uh, and when you do these studies in Sweden or in Europe or in the US, it'll be very hard to find someone with a perfect big toe alignment. Uh, you would have to spend a lot of time barefoot and actually really work with your feet because of how we move in, in the Western world. So when we did the pilot studies, you know, it's like 2% are like, whoa, that's a, that's a good foot. And you're, you're surprised. But when we're doing it here, it's like the reverse. It's like good foot, good foot, good foot, good foot. And it's just like, oh, wait, here's a little bit of Halix Vargas. Something is wrong here. What, what has this person done? And then when we, you know, have the questionnaire, it's like, yeah, they've been wearing more shoes than the other people. So it's, um, for me, it's very, very clear that um, there's, a, there's a correlation uh, between those two things. And it's also, you can stop me at any time, by the way, if you have a follow-up question, but we, we've been, of course, like I said, traveled around the country and visited so many different professions. And one of the biggest things I think is that the professions that have a clear dress code, we're talking teachers, policemen, uh, those kinds of things, they have the worst feet, like yeah, hands down. Uh, they have, they all have deformities pretty much. They um, wear the tight pointy shoes all day uh, and they're forced to, right? And um, yeah, you can see that pretty clearly. I mean, we went to like one school up in the mountains here where students were very, very poor and the teachers were all wearing these like pointy narrow shoes. And I think we did 45 teachers in that school and like all of them were pretty much terrible and then we went to the next town we did a police station and we studied uh the uh it was 40 or 50 police officers same thing there pointy narrow shoes for many years very a lot of deformities and then we head to like the tea plantations where they make the tea here you know people are some of the workers there were you know always barefoot they uh, are climbing trees they're like you know, acting like an like a human should, right? And they just had perfect feet, perfect shape, perfect function when we assessed them. Um, and it's really, really interesting to see that in person, uh, how much it can differ. Because a lot of people will always throw the genetic factor. Oh, you know, I have, you know, my, my mom had hallux valgus, I have hallux valgus, or, uh, you know, all these, all these kinds of things. So it's been very, it was one thing of the one thing that I was most excited about about before the trip to really see see it for myself you know is it really that the police station will have worse feet than the tea plantation workers or is that just something i've made up in my head but it's been very interesting to actually see that i mean it makes perfect sense right like it's just logical thinking if you wear these confined modern footwear uh these shoes every day your feet are going to adapt in a, in a negative direction so i guess what what else are or what exactly are you looking for what defines uh, a healthy foot. You mentioned the hallux valgus, or this sounds like a spell, but um, you know, I'd imagine <laughs> toe spacing uh, is important. Something I've noticed personally is yeah. definitely right now my toes are probably more spread out than they ever have been. Um, but as we go into winter and I wear ski boots and other things, again, they'll probably get a, a, a slightly worse, but I'm trying to progress over the years, of course. But yeah, so toe spacing, yeah. you mentioned uh, the big toe specifically. What else? What else? What constitutes a healthy foot? Hey, friend. Thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, 
It would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. Yeah, so we're looking at a couple of different things. So first of all, we put them through a 3D scanner. We get all the different measurements of the foot. We get the width, the length, the big toe angle, which a lot of people don't even know this, but the big toe angle should be at an angle of zero or minus. That's perfect. And a lot of a lot mm. of people, when I mean, most people, if you do if you do 100 people in the US, I, I, I don't think more than one or two will have that. You know, it's just, and if you think again, like you said, logically, right? If you do put the big toe out of angle, what will happen is that your arch will have a much greater possibility of collapsing because you don't have that stability from the big toe. Like it makes sense if you take away that big toe, everything starts to collapse. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, and if you think about how how the foot is really the foundation of your whole uh, posture and your biomechanics. So if your if your foot isn't working as as it should, then your rest of the body won't work as it should either. So a sub, such a sim- simple thing as putting the big toe out of position in a tight shoe for many many years, training yourself, you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand steps a day in that position, and then you take them off and you try to be a perfect athlete, it's not going to happen. Uh, so it, it can seem like a small thing, like the big toe. It's just a big toe, right? But it's the the big toe is the big toe for a reason takes the most should take the most load of the foot and if the foot is the base of our posture and biomechanics and whole movement chain then it's very important so such a small thing can impact the whole the whole body and that that's one thing we're looking at the big toe then we're looking at a healthy arch we're looking at like a, st- a straight and healthy heel we're looking at um that what, what toes, is like a healthy uh, a healthy arch because I have very high arches and literally, uh, yeah. you know, soccer, athletic trainers growing up, they would always be like, your arches are so high. That's bad. You know, you should wear soles and all this bullshit. Right. And I know right. that actually that's, that's not the case. And in general, like, yeah, flat feet actually can be a problem, but I guess that would depend definitely genetically and then adapting to modern shoes. So our arches High arch is good, bad. Uh, it depends, or what constitutes a healthy arch? It, it, yeah, it, it depends a little bit. You would have to like assess it more. And I think I don't think I'm the best person to explain in words what a healthy arch is or not. Um, but I think, like in general, if you have a healthy big toe, that helps the arch, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, if if you if you put the big toe out of out of position, you will collapse the arch, and that leads to b- very bad things. But um, in in terms of like um, the arch, what we are looking at is you know that it has. Um, actually, let me go back to another thing. One thing that a lot of people won't know with the foot in general is that like you have let's say you have high high arches that means your foot is a little bit more compact. But when you do take a step, there's like a lot of steps, no pun intended, but like the steps um, involved in taking just one step. Like the foot should become a little bit longer in the step. Which, which is why you ha- should have a little bit of room in your shoes, for example, and shouldn't be that uh, tight. Um, and then it should like, you know, lever off quite, quite strongly. But um, sorry, what was the question before that? Just in general about the arch, yeah, specifics. Yeah, was... yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, as, as I said, I'm not, the bi- I'm, not, I'm not the best person yeah, to answer. Yeah, like, I, I, I was just yeah. curious in general if, you know, people really 
it I know that wearing any sort of like insoles or anything is is bad. So it makes sense that the big toe is is kind of that foundational piece. And in general, we're going to have different foot shapes. People might have more flat feet, but, you know, embracing obviously minimalist footwear, which we'll get into is uh, a good way to do it. Yeah, because if you if you do wear the arch support, right, you are kind of hindering the foot from doing its natural, uh, you know, natural longing of the foot in the step so it kind of you're kind of training the foot to keep that high arch and, and that's not very very beneficial in the long term it can be a, it can be a good good short-term solution but not a not a good long term. was the was the toe spacing is that something you guys look at as well and was that like yeah. crazy different yeah, so, in in sri lanka as well yeah so the, the main thing that we're looking at there is that, that there's a little bit of space between the the big toe and the second toe so that's that's mm. number one but then, of course, all the toes should be, you know, kind of free and they shouldn't be like crammed together, which it, it will be for a lot of people, most people uh, in the Western world. Yeah. Uh, and, and especially, I would say the, the fifth toe, uh, the smallest one, will often be very, very pushed against the, the fourth yeah. toe. Uh, and that's just because of how footwear are designed. Uh, modern footwear, you know, they, they do crush the big toe, but they also crush the fifth toe. And um yeah, it's just a sad, sad thing, but it's it's how it works, and and we can so, see so that like, here from. I mean, I, I can, we, I have photos. I can I can send you later if you want to share with the people. But like, it, it's sure. very, very cool how people who have never wear worn shoes how their big toe and their fifth toe look because they are completely free from any uh, shoe damage. So they are like you know almost pointing outwards and not not even forward, but outwards, which is very cool. Yeah, so I guess getting into that is, you know, what what are the issues with with modern footwear, and then maybe we could talk about wide and and what you guys are doing that's yeah. that's different. Uh, we've talked a lot about obviously it's it's a bit narrow, but yeah, maybe you could elaborate on all the issues and how that kind of came to be. Like, why is our footwear like this? Yeah, so there are many historic contexts of why the. F- shoes look like they do. Uh, I think the, the most impactful one of all is the industrial revolution. You know, people tried to mass produce shoes. They try to make as much money as possible in the shortest amount of time possible. So they said, okay, because when you make a shoe, you need, it depends on the shoe you make, but for 99% of shoes, you need to make um, an aluminum mold for the sole, right? And if you can make one mold instead of two, that saves you 50% of the cost. So what they basically did was they said, okay, can we fit the foot into one sole, one symmetrical sole uh, instead of two? Because before that, you would have one left shoe, would have one right shoe, and they would mm. kind of be asymmetrical. But they said, uh, okay, let's, let's make one sole. Let's just pump them out, put, you know, put the upper on, and then um, uh, have people wear them. And of course, the foot isn't, Asymmet- I mean, isn't symmetrical in its nature. So if you put the foot in a symmetrical shape that is pointy at the top, then you are going to <laughs> have deformed feet. So that's just one of the issues. And the biggest issue, in, in my opinion, um, and it's very influenced in how we make shoes and will make shoes in the future, because we will never, ever budge on the shape of the toe box. Um, so that be- especially the big toe and, and all the toes can, can really be in its its original position. And it is something that I do think a lot of brands, even, you know, barefoot brands do budge with actually. And I think it's for, it's for the wrong purpose, which is to make them, make them look more aesthetically more narrow, which I think there are other ways to do that, uh, which we're, we're doing for our next uh, releases. But 
uh, I think it's it's a little bit sad that a lot of people are even in our industry are kind of budging on that to to um, yeah sell more shoes basically. It's like we got so accustomed to the look of shoes that now if you do something like so different that yeah it might like turn off people from from buying it. But that's something yeah. I've noticed. I've, I've definitely worn like wide toe box stuff for for years now, and to me that's like the biggest thing and it's just like you can't even deal i can't even wear a different pair of shoes for more than maybe a couple hours and right yeah it, it makes a tremendous impact i i would say but yeah um yeah what what I mean, else i guess is wrong with with the footwear that most people are wearing yeah so it's uh the the foot i mean the shape of the sole is one thing the um, the actual sole how it bends is a big problem for a lot of brands uh Often, oftentimes, mm. if you buy like a completely modern shoe, it'll be very, very stiff most of the time, which means that your big toe and your toes cannot bend as they're supposed to, which means you're pretty mm. much putting the foot asleep when you're walking. And it's like you're a lot of shoes will even have like this little curve looks like a banana so that you're like rolling forward. You know, it's a completely just like deactivating the whole foot and trying to have the fo- the shoe do the the, the work. But the doesn't doesn't work that way we, we, we know that and um another thing is uh when the heel is higher than the front we call that a drop so it'll be like you you can imagine standing in uh, standing downhill what will happen is yep. you will put more pressure on the front of the foot just common sense if you stand in a, in a downhill um which over time will put a lot of pressure on the the metatarsal heads at the front which is like the the fingers but they're together um and uh, that will not be very good if you are trying to um, if you can never relax them when you're walking they'll put a lot of pressure and they'll probably collapse them after a while and um yeah it's pretty pretty much it those are the big ones so yeah the, yeah and, and it's something i've i've noticed as well and I guess the th- what are your thoughts on the thickness of the sole as well, like the padding, the cushion, because yeah. that's something that's you know debated, and obviously yeah. a lot of minimalist barefoot shoes are, are pretty much yeah, there's not much. Yeah, I I actually have a little bit of a different view on this than I think a lot of people in our industry do, um, and that's you know from a result of from the the experts that I'd, I I mean I, I I've I don't call myself an expert, but I do hang with them many, many hours every day. So I, I learn a lot from them. Uh, but you know, I think we live in a we live in a modern world, and yes. we we it's very hard to. I mean, it, it's the same thing as like you, if you walk down Manhattan with a spear and try to kill an animal. I mean, that it's not going to work today, right? So we have to kind of adapt a little bit to the world that we live in, and. Uh, and um, I, I think that there's a time and place for a little bit of a thicker sole uh, in today's, uh, I mean, our ancestors didn't walk on asphalt or cement, you know, it's very, it can be very hard on the body. And, um, you know, the types of athletics that we do, which is why I said the most important thing is the toe box. There are certain, you know, certain athletics, certain types of running, certain types of things where you need other things like cushioning or a little bit of a stiffer sole sometimes. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I, I see it in our future, hopefully during 2024, that we will, for example, release um, a running shoe, which will have a thicker, thicker sole. But the, the, the key there is to make it as, so that it is, uh, has the components that we want, but still a little bit of a thicker uh, protection. Because if you, if you put 
if you have someone who's worn one of the big shoe brands for 40 years or even 10 years and you and you put them in a minimalist four millimeter sole and you say oh yeah go out for a run i mean that person is going to injure themselves i mean it's just yeah just common sense you you've you've um, you've accustomed the body to something and then you're trying to change that instantly like that because you think that's the answer and you'll that's it's not going to end well so i, I mean I, I envision that in uh, a couple of years that we will have like progression in in our, yeah. in our shoe selection so you know someone who's going from a, a big brand um running shoe for for 15 years can go to us and be like okay i want that but i want i want my toes to be able to bend and i want a wider toe box and then maybe when i've done that for eight months maybe i can try something a little bit more minimalist you know so that and then and then also like if you're if you're out walking on on town maybe you don't want the super super thin sole for like aesthetic purposes so maybe there's a way we can i know there's a way because it's it's almost ready to launch but uh, <laughs> maybe there's a way we can apply those things to a shoe where it actually looks like a <laughs> a sneaker that everybody loves but it's not it doesn't function like one you know so and i, I think that's necessary also to catch the youth which i think is super super important that we that we prime the next generation so that they don't go through the same things that we've gone through with with shoes and our parents so i think it's time to to break that spell and i want to create shoes that you know a 14 year old can think is the coolest shoe in the world uh, and i think that's super important that i know at least is not going to harm them yeah i i actually had a recent revelation this year on on this exact topic because i started to run again and hike like very intensely and i was wearing vivos and zero shoes and, yeah. you know, I did a 25 mile, it was like 40 kilometer hike, like gaining, you know, a couple thousand meters, tons of rocks and wearing Vivo, like hikers. And, you know, I, I, I wear earth runners, I wear barefoot shoes, like quite a bit, but that like, just, it pushed me over the threshold, my feet, like I couldn't walk, I, I couldn't walk uh, yeah. really at the end of the hike the next day, could barely walk. The same thing happened. I did a 15 kilometer trail race in the mountains and i wore the zero sneakers and yeah i, I literally couldn't walk afterwards so uh yeah, i just I mean it, I, it was too much so now i have ultras which they are zero drop they're wide toe box they're yeah. definitely a lot better and i totally agree so if you run on a track if you run on asphalt like yeah they're they're not natural surfaces and our feet are just they're just weak straight up yeah and and i mean the uh, same thing happened to me like in when i started this journey you know many years ago i i've been wearing you know i'm, I'm an old tennis player so i've been wearing you know nikes and uh oh yeah whatever everything and then i was like wait i think vivos are the answer and so i ordered like a bunch <laughs> of them and and i tried them and i you know i went out for similar to you like i went for long walks and then like i was like but doesn't feel that good like my hips my <laughs> knees my ankles like yeah, yeah. like why why is it why is it like that and then um, which is actually that that's the whole reason that we we found it wide in the first uh, worst, first place because we said okay why is it that there is only two extremes on the spectrum why does it have to be either like wide pointy toe box super stiff sole uh thick sole or the vivo like i bought which is like four millimeter sole almost no cushioning and then like, why is there nothing for the person like me who wants to switch but you know it just hurts right so and and then i i also thought like 
But if that is that, if that's what it feels like for me or for you, Tristan, what does it feel like for someone who's like unfit and 52 oh, years yeah. old and wants to make the switch? They're, I mean, they're, they're going to have that same reaction you did from probably like a 30 minute walk, right? Um, because they're, and they're also going to be hurting while they're walking when they step on like a small rock or something that they're going to, you know, change their gait and it's, they're just going to be conscious about how they're walking. And it's, you know, it's, it's just not a good thing. So, so what we did was that we just made, we just made the, the sole a little bit thicker, uh, not much, but a little bit. And we uh, played around a lot with the density of the rubber in the sole so that, uh, I mean, I can't even tell you how many emails we've got from and patients from my brother's clinic who've you know, made the switch too wide and said, like, look, I've been wearing all these other brands, but now I can finally like uh, walk without the fear of like stepping on a small rock and hurting me. And like, I don't have to, you know, think about my walking. I can just like be relaxed, but I still have that toe space. And that's, uh, that's like the most, uh, yeah, the most rewarding thing that we actually made what we wanted to make. Then there's a lot of improvements that can, that can and will be made in the future, but I would be happy. I would be happy to send you a pair so that you can compare the sensation also, and like just and let me know how that how that feels for you. That'd be interesting yeah, that'd, if you can compare. That'd, that be, in, yeah. that'd be incredible because yeah, it's exactly. And again, it's hard because I was pretty good. Like in the beginning, it was fine, you know, walking, hiking. But then it's like you yep. you eventually reach a threshold, and like you're saying, for people unlike us, that threshold is gonna be way way lower. So now you know, I was kind of a purist uh, for a while, and then I was like, wait. If this is bothering me and I'm pretty much barefoot literally all the time, then yeah, these people are going to be struggling. And now I can see what, but then you get into these crazy, like the hokas or whatever they're called, where the soles are like this yeah, thick. And I'm horrible. Now that's insane as well. But yeah, I, I would love to try it. I think it's great because, yeah, so I think people are just lying to themselves for, for a long time or really just they're not embracing it enough. And it's, it is a progression, right? At the end of the day. And, it's something that. Um, no, no you're good. You're good. No, I was just gonna say it's it's very like I think it's a, a lot of unawareness. I think like ninety five percent of people don't even think about their feet, right? It's a very forgotten body part. Like you know, I, I mean, I, I for many years, like I said, played, played a lot of tennis. I never questioned that the shoes that I was wearing, whether it was Nike, Adidas, Asics, whatever. That of course they're making the best shoes for a tennis player to perform on court, right? I mean, of course, right? But then you start digging into it and it's like, yeah, you know, maybe not. And, you know, there are people who have exited these companies that do say that they, um, that they know the, they know what the, what it is, but it's just too much money involved. And I understand that it's just how the, how the world works. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I want to get into next because it's so true. And, and you think it's like, yeah, the highest performing af- athletes in the world are all sponsored by Nike, Adidas, Puma, whatever. And you know that their quality is just going like so downhill and they're not, yeah, they just cut corners. And my question is, how, how is this affecting like actual performance from an athletic uh, perspective? Because the way I see it is if your foot is obviously functioning better, you should be able to run faster, jump higher and do more things with a healthier foot. Yeah, that, that's what I hypothesize too i mean you can anyone can google this just google and look what usain bolt's foot looks like i mean it's kind of a joke really that the fastest man on the planet has a super deformed feet and a lot of people will look at that image and say oh well maybe the foot doesn't matter then because he's the fastest person in the world what i say is imagine how fast he could have been if he had a functioning foot yeah well those track uh, spikes are 
those tri- sprinter spikes are the, the absolute worst. Like I, I wore a lot of crappy footwear and when I ran track, that was my least favorite thing to put on like out of everything. Right. Worse than ski boots, I think. Yeah, ski boots are um, are my worst nightmare, but I think (laughs) I've never tried track boots. I'll keep that open. Uh, But yeah, ski boots. uh, I I was always like personally one of those people who would ski for half the day because it just hurt too much. I'll just hang in the jacuzzi the rest of the day. But yeah, I think, you know, it just, again, just common sense. You don't need to be, uh, you don't need to be um, a rocket scientist to figure the following thing out. That if you have a functioning foot with a big toe in its correct, place and all the other characteristics of the shoe can be the same that you will have uh, a higher uh, square inches i guess uh it would be in america a square in in square inches yeah you have higher surface area contact exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. and that would probably re- generate more force forward uh just for to me it makes logical sense and i think uh yeah so i would have uh, i would have loved to see that in someone like usain bolt but and even like LeBron James, you can Google that too. They yeah. all have such deformed feet from pressing their feet into these tight, narrow uh, feet for yeah decades upon decades. And it's yeah, it's quite sad to see, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's this whole conundrum. And I don't know if you've ever heard of functional patterns training, but I feel like you guys would align yeah. like very well. Um, yeah. You have? I've heard, I've heard about it, yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe... Maybe that's something to explore. But I recently had one of their one of their main practitioners on, and he talked a lot about this. And he basically was talking about how the LeBron. He he said LeBron. He said you know like uh, Barry Sanders, whoever these these folks are so fascially gifted that it doesn't matter right. what they eat or you know the shoes they wear or how they train. Like they're just such uh, gifted athletes because of their fascia. So it'd be interesting to actually yeah go and find someone who's just as fashionably gifted in like Africa or somewhere that hasn't been tainted or, you know, a more rural area by modern footwear and, and actually, you know, kind of prove that out. Because to me, people keep thinking that, oh, it's modern training and all this, why we keep progressing in athletics. I think that's going to end very soon. I, I think we're going to go downhill in a lot of areas of athleticism if we don't correct lifestyle habits, you know, training habits and footwear uh, to kind of round that out because there's only so much the natural, you know, gift can can help. And eventually that's all going to keep declining if, you know, the lifestyle habits are all garbage too. Yeah. And I mean, you're in Australia now, so it's one of the, um, uh, one thing that we do aim to do with um, the shoe effect, which is the, what the study is called. We're, we're, we, our long-term girl is, goal is to, um, to make this of a you know make this um, a bigger project where we go around the world and study different uh, different populations. Uh, hopefully, we can if you know if if in a dream scenario it would also become a documentary series at some point uh, so that we we can really show showcase this uh, these stories to the world. Uh, but uh, speaking of, of Australia, I mean the Aborigine population there mm-hmm. uh, they are mostly barefoot, and uh, some of the things that I've read about them is that they have actually you know, measured speeds close to Usain Bolt. Um, so I guess yeah. you know, they, they are using their whole foot and they're, I would guess, fashionably um, as gifted or maybe maybe close, at least from the lifestyle that they're, they're living and uh, not much sitting and stuff. So yeah, fascia is super, super, super interesting as well. Something that I've started to read about more uh, lately. Yeah, I mean, it all connects. And that's something, again, I talked about in the last podcast was how I think the most athletic species really from just like a just natural perspective 
without training is the people who are the least revolution, uh, the least industrialized, the least modernized from like their, their history in the past. So obviously that's why you see African-Americans are extremely athletic, even native American. I mean, grounded athlete, for example, I mean, he's so fast. You can see his, his fascial health. Um, so that's yeah. someone that's, you know, interesting as well. So there's just less of a time span from industrialization. Whereas, you know, you and I, European descent, you know, we've been doing all these things probably that are not great for, for much longer <laughs> in terms of our, our background. And, and that's most people um, in the Western world. So it, it's really interesting to think about how we can correct all this. But I guess, do you think like big footwear companies will ever change or this will ever be a major shift? Or do you think it'll kind of just be, you know, smaller companies, just, you know, the truth resonates and ultimately the best product wins. We'll just chip away at it uh, kind of, over time and eventually they'll be forced to change, but that won't I be for, think, you know, five, 10 years plus. Yeah. My hypothesis is that the big shoe companies will continue as they are for a long time until we reach that tipping point where the, where the customer actually says, hold on, I don't even want to press my shoes into down into that thing. There is an alternative that doesn't make my feet feel bad and they look equally as cool. And the brands are also cool and cool people are wearing them. And I think that's, I mean, I, I just see that as a you know, personal mission and, and I, don't, I don't try to blame anyone. I just try to say, okay, what can we do to fix the problem? And that, this is what we're trying to do today. Uh, after, the, after the podcast, I can send you some um, preview photos of our, the next sneaker that we are releasing in, I hope, February. Uh, nice. To show you a little bit of like the, the direction that we are going. Um, and I think, you know... Uh, I hope that it comes through the images that it's something that we're trying to, as I said before, but I want a 13, 14 year old to look, to be able to look at that and think, I want those, you know, like if my friends had those, we would both look cool, you know, and it's, so it's, and, and I would, I, I would feel a hundred percent comfortable that if they were those instead of what they're wearing today, that their feet would actually be very healthy in their, in their life. And that's something that I would love to love to see and help. Well, I like of. the look of the shoes already. And I know it's tough with like the athletic sneaker, tennis shoes, whatever you call them, uh, realm uh, to look. Yeah. Attractive from an aesthetic perspective and also from a functional perspective. But I think you guys have done a really good job so far. So that's, uh, if that's only going to improve, then that's yeah, great yeah, because sure. that's, Yes. Unfortunately, people care a lot about um, aesthetics, especially with, with, with sneakers. But, you know, have you thought about as well, kind of just obviously you're very into health, esoteric space, uh, just like what goes into the shoe, like materials and fibers and using more natural options, obviously yeah. grounded shoes have become a big thing. I'm curious to get your take there um, because, yeah, that's something that I think about quite a bit. Yeah, I think about that very, very much as well. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, also something, my perspective on that has also shifted a little bit <clears throat> towards like the better during, I mean, we, we started the development of this current shoe like uh, three, two, two and a half years ago or something like that. And I, I, wasn't as, um, I wasn't as into it back then as I am now. And I think like um, something that I'm thinking a lot about for the coming, uh, coming releases and everything that we do. Um, I think, you know, there is the shoe. I mean, it's like this shoe, making a shoe is complicated. 
you know, it's it's much more complicated than, for example, making a tank top like you and me are wearing because it's yeah, just two yeah. pieces of fabric and you put them together and you're wearing it. But a shoe, there's so much that goes into making a shoe. You know, you have to make the sole and then you have to make the upper and they have to play along together. And, the, you know, with the shoe, there's like a hundred different densities of rubber or material that you can use, co- different compositions. Uh, so it, it's, it's a lot of... Um, some of it is still a little bit hard to go uh, like 100% natural fibers. It's still pretty difficult, uh, I would say. Uh, even though Oh, 100% um, like natural would be... I can imagine that's extremely difficult. Extremely man. difficult. Extremely difficult. Uh, we are, we're like experimenting with some wool right now that I think looks nice. pretty cool. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, our next sneaker that I'll, I'll send you some photos of later will be in uh, leather and rubber. When it comes to... When it comes to um, Grounded shoes, I think, is a super, super interesting concept. I, you know, I wear um, the grounded athletes um, sandals. Uh, I've worn them like the whole month here. I, I love, I love them. So, uh, I, um, it's not our focus for now. I, I'm sure it will be sometime in the future. It's just a, a little bit of a different mission. Like, it's not the the main problem that we're trying to solve at this point. And I think uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of technology that goes into that to make it as good as it deserves to be. I don't want it to be like um, a marketing gimmick that I do think some people do at least. Uh, I want it to actually work 100% if we ever if we ever release it. Um, but I think it's a super interesting concept. And I mean, I I'm a huge fan of grounding. Uh, I post I post about it a lot, but it's it's just. It's not the main mission with with wide footwear and why we do that. Uh, it's another kind of another societal problem that we're trying to solve with that. And they could probably be combined, but not not right now. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I figured that as well. And again, it's, you know, sneakers are for specific purposes, right? Like they're not meant to be worn like all day long. So you can get plenty of grounding in if you're just kind of chilling around your house or yeah. just going for a, a easy walk instead of actually like an athletic event or going out on town, uh, walking on asphalt and things like that. But that's cool. Wow. I'm really excited about the wool and leather and all that because, yeah, it's actually that's something, again, with the modern footwear, the big companies that they've actually, yeah, they just diverted from that completely. You know, just as I was researching, you know, kangaroo for Australia, uh, I, I came over the fact that yeah old football cleats like pumas they were all made from kangaroo leather and you know they were right. like maradona wear them they, they were the best football cleats and there's a lot of cases like that and now just everything is yeah synthetic polyester and um synthetic materials yeah. so i think that makes a lot more sense in terms of trying to switch that back around but as you as you said i know how what goes into yeah creating footwear and just even a, a few uh, maybe percentage points of difference in terms of the flexibility, the stiffness can can make a, a huge impact on on the quality of shoe, especially if it's an athletic shoe. So I'm really excited for yeah. that. Wow. Yeah, but it's also like something that people have to understand is that is that it's more complicated than just making a little bit of a different choice. Like there's a lot of functionality that goes into it. Oh yeah. And also like one thing that's pretty complicated today that I think a lot of people don't think about is, you know, if you want any type of funding, whether that's from the bank or from investors or whatever it may be, the, you know, the new sustainability discussion is yeah. is always present, which means that pretty much like they will assess what kind of materials you use and if you use 
you know, like you and I, like what we love, you know, maybe leather or, um, you know, other types of natural fabrics that are not deemed to be as sustainable as the other synthetic fibers because of, you know, different kinds of reports. It's much, much harder to get funding. So this is a, this is a problem that a lot of companies run into today. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just unfortunate. And that, that's, I think, why a lot of it is steered that way as well. Even if it's like regeneratively farmed or raised uh, leather and stuff like that, because I know here in the U.S. Um, there has been there's more available in terms of funding grants and, and lines of credit for, you know, regenerative uh, if it's played into the whole like carbon carbon credit thing, carbon sequestration, right? Uh-huh. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I've seen that in the U.S. hasn't really reached the rest of the world yet, I think. But I, I, you know, this is why I always say, like, I'm, I'm, and I used to live in the U.S. I'm very interested in the U.S. Um, I think like it's very important what happens in the U.S. for the rest of the world, which with a lot of different things, because oh, yeah. you guys pretty much set the tone for what at least a lot of European countries will like follow what the U.S. does. So um, yeah, keep keep, uh, keep fighting the fight because we we need it over here as well. Are you interested in 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison meat? I'm excited to be a partner with Falls Family Ranches. Based in Wyoming, Falls Family Ranches is raising high-quality bison meat the way nature intended. As a native large ruminant of North America, bison is one of the most nutrient-dense foods you can consume. If you're interested in trying out their bison boxes, use code TRISTAN, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, 10, for 10% off your first order. Well, it's this weird because it's like, for me as like a free market capitalist, it's like, well, you know, free handouts for regenerative farming. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, the carbon credit thing, it, it's bullshit. But if that's going to be what's able to keep a regenerative farm or regenerative, you know, meat producer, someone, rancher afloat and competitive, then, you know, it's like you almost have to play that side as well because they've funded all the other crap for so long and, and all the other handouts and subsidies and yeah it's it's wild when you get into it because it's like they actually think that these types of materials and fabrics are better for the planet than what comes from nature from animals directly and yeah, yeah it's it's just insane yeah, it's, it's nuts so you've had multiple startups then like are you pretty much a, a full full-fledged entrepreneur since you know university how I guess I'm curious to hear more about that journey and, uh, you know, what really, you know, you talked a little bit about the motivation behind starting wide, but was that also in like a greater transformation of, of your life from a health perspective or were you always kind of into this, these areas? I was, I mean, I was kind of kind of into it um, from a like mid-teen age, but then I moved to the U.S. for college for five years. I stayed in the U.S. for uh, for college and doesn't work after and it was very very difficult what to school? stay healthy in the US uh, UMBC in Baltimore oh, so nice. I, I played tennis there and stayed for four years and then I worked uh, in real estate for a year after that for uh, my visa ran out so I um, yeah I mean I it was very very hard to stay healthy in the US I think I've, ne- I've never been that unhealthy <laughs> even though I was an athlete you know but it's just like you know if you yeah, if you look at pictures, I, I look tired. I look like, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't good. Processed foods all, all around. But yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, I've always been like interested in it. And I always thought like, okay, one day I will, after college, I will you know, start start uh, taking care of it. But then unfortunately, like I, I went vegan for, for two years and that was bad for me. 
and uh then yeah since then it's just been you know rebuilding everything but uh, i think like the um, the the foot interest that really just came from uh, it just made sense to me at, at one day and you know we yeah just like wearing having so much pain from like i said ski boots and tennis shoes and all kinds of shoes i've always been like i can't wait to get out of these shoes just always and now when i wear our shoes or when i wear our new prototypes i'm just like eh, i don't i don't even want to get out of these because it's they just they don't do nothing to my to my um to worsen my health so it's a different different sensation that's cool yeah i mean was there a moment or uh you know veganism pushed your health to a certain point like that convinced you that like i need to turn this ship around or like what what was i guess a main inflection point there um in terms of your thought process yeah, that was, was a couple different things so the first thing was i it just was super skinny i got super skinny i was and i was never like a buff guy or anything yeah yeah i i got super skinny and i i can remember like i was like putting my hand into my hair and then i was like damn so much hair in my hand like why why is it coming off like that shouldn't do that and uh yeah i developed like some white patches some parts of my skin it was just like overall you know it just not didn't feel good and then i was in italy with my family uh and i just were sitting by the ocean and i i was like i really want to order some fish right now because it said like freshly caught fish of the day and i was like i'm gonna order some of that my family was like well what happened there and then uh, it was actually like and I, then i ate fish for like four or five months after that and then i was going to for a work trip to south korea and my colleagues didn't know that i was like i was eating fish and i was eating vegetables and, you know and then they said oh you're gonna love south korea they have this thing called uh, korean barbecue and oh, yeah. uh, you know you just you're gonna love it and i was like the urge inside of me was like yes i need to taste that and then I was going to fly out the next day and I, and I, on my way home that night, I just bought like a fat ribeye and then I just, uh, um, put it in the, in the, in the pan and then I ate it, just the ribeye, nothing else with it. And it was like, um, I've described it as a religious moment before because it was like, uh, it was like, I'm never going back to not eating this again. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, then I went to Korea and I had Korean barbecue every single day for that trip, and uh, you know it's been it's been no no turning back since then. <laughs> That's amazing. That's incredible. I I'm so thankful that I never went down that strict of a rabbit hole and have always eaten meat. But yeah, it's like your body kind of knows what it wants, and then when you give it to it, it's uh, so uh, euphoric moment. But yeah, once you uh, deprive your body, I guess for so long, I'm, I'm lucky I never went on that path. But yeah, what oh what I wanted to ask you is, you know, going back to Sweden, you know, in this esoteric health space, embracing your environment, seasonality, are you doing things differently? Uh this upcoming winter, are there things that Swedes do every winter that are kind of purposefully uh, you know, good for your health to survive, to prevent seasonal affective disorder, which uh I you know, I was in Finland last November and everyone's in the sauna doing ice plunging. So I think that's helpful. But I'm curious on on your opinion. Yeah, the Finns are good with the sauna. I think like every home in Finland almost have one. So no, Swedes uh, depression rates in Sweden go up massively every every winter season. So I don't think Swedes are very cautious. I mean, cautious about what they do. I try to do as much um, get as much sunlight as I can, even though it's very very slim. A lot of red light, 
try to eat very seasonal nowadays. So yeah, yeah, it's those few things that I, I try to do. I, I've never had I've never had any like uh, issues really with it. Not uh, no no depression or anything like that. So I it's it's fine for me. But I think it's um, it is difficult. And now especially like after spending an, a month here in the tropics, you know, you really appreciate the beach and the heat and the sun and the and everything. So it'll be a big tomorrow or whenever we land, it'll be like stepping. I don't know if you know Celsius, but like minus minus five or minus 10 celsius which is very cold in fahrenheit too below oh yeah below uh 32 so yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah two days ago my my home area got like 10 12 centimeters of snow so i don't know i i'm i'm like i don't know if it's my mitochondria or just yearning for it or they're like what the hell are you doing it's like 30c in australia and it should be winter but I, i'm like craving some some winter some cold and also excited to go skiing. So my last yeah. question is, and I think everything you said there is spot on, right? Like if you don't just embrace your seasonality, if you get enough sun in the summer when there is availability and then still take advantage of the light you have in the winter, red light helps a ton. Those are the right things to do. I'm pretty much going to go like close to full carnivore, probably closest I've ever been. Um, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try and just get as cold as possible as well. But I wanted to ask you, about the ski boots, man, because I love skiing so much, <laughs> but the boots are so fucked. And I would fund a company, and I know people who would fund a company right now if we could solve ski boots. So, in your opinion, is there any hope, or is this just like an unnatural sport that's a lot of fun that we just kind of have to live live with this? Yeah, I love skiing too, so I'm with you. <laughs> and I think um, you know, one of the early things that we said when we when we founded Wide was to say that this should be in, you know, 5-10 years the the place you come where you get those things. It's like, okay, ski boots doesn't exist any other place. So, uh we should we should be able to to do that. I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be possible. It's just I mean, they you you'll still be able to to click the the boot into the ski, so I don't see any functional benefit of having your your feet absolutely smashed together from end to end so yeah i mean uh, g- give us some time and we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll get there i think <laughs> so would it just be because the main part about the fit of the ski boot is like right above the ankle so i could see why like you know a wide toe box should not be a problem at all and the, the white toe then, box should, should not be a problem yeah and that's mainly the main thing but then i guess what i'm unsure about is Maybe just the ratios of like, yes, yeah, say like a 26.5 versus a 28.5 is the main difference should be in the, yeah, that fit above the ankle, not in, you know, cramming your foot to the front, um, really. So to me, it would just be more of like a customized fit. And I know they have all these things like these foam inserts and all this other yeah. nonsense and all these inserts. But I feel like, yeah, there's just a, a better way and uh, still to have that stiffness for like a high flex boot. But yeah, I'm sure it would why, be pretty, why, why pretty expensive. This? You know, we do like winter 2026, 20, we fly you into Sweden and we have you join uh, the development of the, the ski boot. No, I think I lost you for a split second. I, I said that uh, why don't we fly you in winter 2026 or 2027 and you we have you join the the development team for the for the ski boat. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm 100% <laughs> in. I would love that. Good. 
Well, yeah. that that'll be fun. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about it, but I know it's just, yeah, it just takes a lot. And the shoes in general, it takes a ton. So I'm really excited for you guys. Really excited to try it out. And yeah, I guess where can people find wide footwear? What's coming next? Where can people check out the shoes? Yeah, so it's just widefootwear.com. Uh, wide with a Y. So it'll play on the, on the words. Um, yeah, and then the next, for now we have a pretty minimalist uh, shoe that I uh, people people really appreciate. Uh, there are several reviews online on Twitter and on our website too. So just go in and, and read that. And uh, the next release will be a sneaker in leather that uh, I hope it we can release it in February. Depends a little bit on how production goes, but I I, I hope so. And that'll be that'll be a sneaker where where you can wear it in any setting that you would normally wear your other sneakers where you don't want to look like a dork pretty much and that you still want uh, perfect perfect foot function and allow you to to do so and then we're going to release um, foot shaped socks uh, pretty soon i hope and uh, during next year i hope also we can have um, oh that's a running that's shoe. something i want to ask a bit about quickly the socks because yeah. i'd imagine really tight socks are pretty detrimental as well and is that why Massive. you're doing okay yeah specific yeah, so socks one of the things that a lot of people will do is that they will buy better shoes but then they will put a very tight sock on they won't even get the maximum benefit of the the shoe because if you're if your toes are smashed together in the sock then you know it doesn't matter if the the the, the shoe allows you to have a fully aligned uh, big toe or splay the other toes so so shoes are a bigger you know bigger problem than many people think uh i mean socks sorry um so uh, yeah, so we're we're basically just changing the shape of it so that it doesn't go in. Instead, it just it's asymmetrical where the big toe has has more room. Feels great to wear them. Uh, and then there's of course like toe socks out there, which I'm sure we'll we'll make yeah. in the future as well. But we're starting with the the foot shaped uh, sock, which I really really like to wear myself. Nice. So. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot recently as well and just try and wear like looser socks or I don't know, maybe order them a size yeah. bigger for now and just wear looser socks because I noticed that at the end of the day, if I take off socks um, that are really mm-hmm. tight, it's just, yeah, my toes just feel like, yeah, cramped. So if you're wearing tight socks and a barefoot shoe, I guess you're not doing doing too much for yourself. So awesome. Well, no, and I'm I, stoked yeah, and, for and that. Also, yeah, and also regarding that, I mean, one thing you can do is like wear looser socks and you can also pull them out a little bit at the toes and then like put mm. your finger between uh, the big toe and the second toe to just like have that natural room. Stretch it, yeah. Uh, yep, and then, uh, yeah, as I'm sure most people listening to this are, are Americans and I, I mean, I've lived there for five years. I know the culture. A lot of people wear shoes at home. Like, so like just when you're home, try to take off your shoes as much as possible and your socks. Um, so that you can at least get, you know, at least as many hours outside of the shoes as you are in the shoes every, every single, uh, 24 hour cycle. And, uh, yeah, that should, that will do a lot of uh, good for you in, in compound of the years. Embrace, um, embrace the barefoot living people. Come on. I mean, if you listen to this, you should be open to that. You should be doing it. I do it as much as possible yep. barefoot right now. <laughs> Give yourself, uh, you know, try for that progressive overload and, and get some wide footwear to, to help bridge that gap as well. And uh, yeah. yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Melka. This was fun. And thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what you guys uh, are doing. Is this all, last question, is this all like based in Sweden, like made in Sweden? Or are you um, big on that? No, or? so um, it's actually kind of impossible. 
kind of impossible to make shoes in Sweden at this point. Um, not impossible. We would have to build our own uh, our own full production line. So uh, you know, we uh, the the shoe that we have right now is made in Vietnam, but we're actually switching that and moving all the whole production to Portugal. Uh, so that'll happen in the next year. Um, a little bit better, I think, in many ways. So it's a, it's a constant like development it's a thing. You know, you learn things all the time and try to make it better. So, yeah, I mean, I think what's important is if you align with the you know the vision of the founders like yourself. So, and that's why we like to share your message because then people can resonate with your authenticity and, and your vision and know that it is always a work in progress. Right, especially getting off the ground for small brands yeah. is it's really hard. I know we're working on some apparel and. Uh, Wyoming and it's it's a challenge but it is I love it and I yeah yeah and I mean I think one thing that I'm very open with all the time is that you know we we have a lot to learn all the time and we it'll always be like that you know and like I I look at our shoes now and I'm like okay the, the next version sometime next year will be a lot better and then the next version after that will be a lot better but it'll always be like that and the yep. next sneaker will be so cool. And the sneaker after that will probably be cooler. So it's always like a work, work in progress and chasing perfection, but you'll never, you'll never reach there, but you'll always try. So it's, uh, yeah, I hope people, I hope people see that in, in our brand and other brands too. It's yeah, always a work in progress. Yeah. And you, you can check Melker out on Twitter as well. We'll, we'll link his account. He's definitely practicing what he preaches, walking the walk. So that's what I look for when I, you know, find a brand that I like and, I always support the community as well, you know, support your friends and support their ventures because this is how, you know, if we want to get better shoes, better clothing, better food, uh, better everything, we have to support these small businesses. So I would definitely implore that to all you listening. And yeah, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, man. This is fun. Thank you, dude. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.